welcome back to another episode of That's My Personal Business. And today we have Molly on the podcast. Molly is an incredible photographer. I am in my mastermind with her. That's how we met. And I am so excited to have her on the podcast. Her story is incredible. She has her master's in photography. She is highly educated. She has so many years under her belt as a photographer, despite how her skin looks, which we talk about. And she also shares with us her story of holding hands with Brad Pitt. So you're going to want to hang on to the end for that one there. Okay. Um, I love chatting with Molly. She is just such a ray of light and she is so candid, honest, and shares so many little nuggets of wisdom with us in this episode. So I cannot wait for you guys to dive in. I'm going to stop talking and let's get into into it. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of That's My Personal Business. Today we have Molly McCauley. Also, I'm like, wait, saying your whole name together is so cute. We have Molly <laughs> McCauley on the podcast and I'm so excited to have Molly on the podcast. We are in a mastermind together. So I'm so excited to chat with you and like learn more about your business and all of the things. Thank you for having me. I feel like I learned about you years ago and I've fo- I've followed you. And when I saw that you were in the mastermind, I was like, Ooh, yes. So Wait. excited. And I know that we work with multiple, um, like mutual, like yes. acquaintances through the industry. So I was like, how have we not met before? Yes. No, I feel like once I like put the pieces together, I was like, wait, how have I not met you? Cause we like work with so many of the same people, which is yeah. so fun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that. fun. Well, okay, thank so you for, for having me. No, thank you for being on. I'm so excited. Um, for those of you just meeting Molly, Molly, can you introduce yourself? Give us a little rundown on you. Sure. Yeah. I um, am from originally a very small town in rural Northeast Wisconsin. Um, Got out of there as quick as I could moved to the city in Minneapolis and um, got my undergraduate degree in photography, design and retail merchandising. Always thought I was going to go into the fashion industry, moved to London to work in the fashion industry. Um, And yeah, it was insane. And it was amazing. Realized real quick um, that there's, there are just so many elements to it that I don't know if that was going to be my jam. So I really Mm -hmm. kind of stuck with photography, ended up moving to LA in 2007, almost 15 years ago, and just moved here to help some family out. And then it all just, my life kind of just (laughs) had a snowball effect. I moved here to have uh, help out family and then kind of just continued to pursue photography, ended up going to Brooks Institute in Santa Barbara to get my master's in fine art photography with the intention of teaching. And while I got my master's, I started photographing friends, portraits, engagements, weddings, and my business kind of evolved, I always say by accident. Um, And since I had already been working in the wedding industry, weddings came very natural to me. So, um, yeah, that's the quick and dirty of it, but oh my it was, gosh. yeah, quite the evolution. Um, okay. And I have to like, just start off by saying you saying you moved here 15, 15 years ago, right? Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm like, Molly, I literally, every time you say something about like your age or timeline, I think you're 22, <laughs> like all the time. I love you so much. I just you turned look I just, so young. <laughs> I just turned 37. No, I remember you saying that, which happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Um, I remember seeing that and I was like, no, this can't be the same Molly in my mastermind. I see her face like every week. She is not 
37. Like, you know what? I think, I think a lot of it has to do with attitude. I am like, I've always been a very optimistic, playful person. Like, and I, I think that's just like what you get. And I think that's usually associated with maybe childish, immature people. And that's, that's where I'm at, but no, um, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Lesson number one of the podcast, just that the best skincare routine is being fun. I love that. Yeah. And I, um, I'll be quite frank. I, I never wear makeup unless I have to. <laughs> yep. No, I'm the same. I'm like the other day I told my friend I had to get ready and she was like, so what put on mascara? And I was like, yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, okay. I love that. And you got your master's in photography, which is yes. So rare, honestly, in the industry, I feel like that you get like formally trained. Can you like talk us through how that has served your business? Because I feel like I I don't speak to other photographers that often that have gone to like formal school for this. Yeah. And I think to be quite frank, I've only really stepped into that superpower the last few years. I've been shooting weddings for 12 and a half and I've only really stepped into that the last two years or so, um, in terms of using that as a benefit or as a, you know, a selling point, really, Mm -hmm. it was something that my getting my master's was the best thing I would never do again. And the reason I say that, that, the reason I say that is because it was probably just the most trying time for me creatively. And I, you know, hit every barrier possible with, asshole instructors and just being the black sheep of my, of my class. And, you know, that that's not just a semester, right? That's three years of really just kind of having my ego and everything Mm -hmm. about me just kind of like beaten out of me. And, um, it was a really kind of hard experience, but it was so, beneficial to me in the long run is that that's why I say I would you know it was the best thing I would never do again because I really do think that it built so much of the foundation of how I operate my business and how I function as an artist um, but also as just a human being and like relationships with people and managing expectations of art and what that involves and also when you're in the wedding world you're having to imagine manage emotions as well. And Mm -hmm. I think working in fine art elements, like you really get to to, to dive into that a bit more and it's, it's really worked to my benefit, but I will say that for the longest time, I think because I had such a poor experience, I just shut it away. Like I didn't talk about it. I didn't like talking about it. I didn't like referencing it. I, I, for the longest time thought my work was very like shallow in terms of what I produced while I was there. So I totally disassociated my MFA to my business. It was two completely separate things. And I always thought my MFA will come back to serve me when I decide to teach. That's the reason I went to get it. Like Mm -hmm when I, when I decide to teach and I need to cash in on that, then it'll be there for me. But now I've started to use that. And I mean, to be honest, I, my undergrad was in photography also. So I have, yeah, I'm like, years, you have a lot of schooling yeah, on this. I have four and a half years of strictly black and white film. I, I was in a dark room for four and a half years. That was how oh my, my foundation of photography really came to be. Um, but you know, having that training early on and then having the refinement of, I wouldn't necessarily say my craft, even though I do think that some of the classes that I audited 
at Brooks were really amazing for making me a better photographer. I would say the refinement of who I was as a person that I developed while getting my MFA has been so helpful to my business. And now I'm able to really use that as a leverage point in comparison to my competitors when, when I'm talking with couples about what I bring to the table and, you know, are you going to get beautiful images? Yeah, that's a given. Like, absolutely. Are you Mm going to have a great experience? Yes. A hundred percent. That is where my focus is, but you also are going to get some really thoughtful, artful decisions as well. My composition probably looks different than most, or I think about things differently than most incorporating movement. You know, there's so many different things that come into play. And because I shoot both film and digital that, um, it just marries really well with having the MFA experience. I feel like it just validates my service and my price point really. Yeah. I love that. And I love speaking with film photographers specifically, Mm -hmm. especially people that like have training in film, because Mm -hmm. I think it, it is a totally different style of shooting than it makes digital photographers. Yeah. And I think I don't, I don't necessarily think it makes you a better photographer. I think it makes you a more thoughtful photographer in the way Mm -hmm. that you have to pay attention to exposure. It's not, it's, you know, it's not pray and spray that you can just like go and shoot a shit ton of, you know, SD cards and pray you got, you know, 10 great frames. It is very thoughtful. It's meticulous. You have to understand each frame is special in its own right. And then also it makes you much more focused on not wasting. You don't do a lot of um, the wasteful shots that I think Mm -hmm. digital, I find myself doing when I'm shooting digital. I overshoot entirely when I'm shooting only digital. Um, But when I'm shooting film, I'm much more conscious of being thoughtful. I love that. And I think that really is like my greatest takeaway when I watch film photographers versus digital Mm. photographers is I'm like, oh my gosh, you always shoot with the final image in mind, which is so unbelievable for your craft. Like that's always why I'm not a film shooter, but that was always what I would tell my students is I was like, shoot it as if you cannot edit it, like shoot it as if that's not an option later. Um, because I think that that just totally changes your artistry. So I love that you have so much training in it. That's wild. Yeah. And, and honestly, like I said, it's just something that I'm starting to tap into as a superpower of mine, just because for the longest time, it was just such a drag. And now I'm like, okay, my PTSD from that being nearly 10 years ago, I can let go of it and like, just really talk about why it serves not only just my photography, but like why it serves my clients better as well. I love that. So is this when you were going to school for, for photography, were you hoping to become like an educator soon or is being like a wedding photographer kind of the job that you predicted you would be in? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> so for me, going back to the fashion element, I always thought when I was in undergrad, I wanted to do fashion photography. That was kind of where my, my goal and my focuses were. Most of my projects revolved around that. When I worked in London for a fashion company, I was working in the press office. So I was, wasn't doing photography really that much, but I was pulling for photo shoots and, um, that kind of stuff. That experience was incredible. When I moved to LA and, um, worked for a fashion company here, I realized very quickly how much I did not necessarily want to be on the fashion side of things. Um, and definitely I wanted to focus more on photography, but I didn't know 
at that point, what direction it was going into. When I, I would say about a year, year and a half later, when I um, became more familiar with the master's program at Brooks, which was a relatively new program at that institute, I kind of like couldn't wrap my head around what I wanted to do. But at that point, I had already had a part-time job for like a year, year and a half in the wedding industry as a coordinator. This is another thing that I get to pull out in my consultations is that yeah, I worked I for that. a part-time court. I worked for as a part-time coordinator for um, a, a big name coordinator here in LA for seven years. So like I, there's so many elements to that that make it beneficial as, as a wedding photographer as well. But when I was getting my master's, my intention was to roll out of that master's and start applying to UCLA, USC, you know, um, SMC, like Santa Monica College, any of these, you know, colleges in LA, like Southern California area that I would then be able to be like a payroll professor. Like that was, that was my goal Mm. is to be like an art professor, a photography um, teacher, if you will. And when I was getting, I want to say like maybe four months into my program, I got my first inquiry for a wedding from a friend of mine says, Hey, you work in weddings, you're doing photography. Would you be open to shooting our wedding? And I shot my first wedding for $400 oh and my gosh. had no clue what I was doing and rolled with it. And then I had another friend ask and another friend and another friend. And then soon it was like friends of friends. And then when I got to be a few, I want to say this is probably year two of shooting weddings, but like not, I wasn't shooting, you know, volume. It was more of like here and there. And of course I'd be happy to. And it was exciting for me to have my own thing. I would say probably in my second, second year of shooting weddings casually, I was getting strangers asking just based off of like, you know, seeing photos online or some, or I honestly, I don't even know how some of these people found me, but it, it just, it was in at that point in my brain where I was like, okay, I have something here. It takes a special personality to be able to thrive. I think in the wedding industry, I'm fortunate to have it. I'm just going to roll with it and see what happens. I'll be honest and say, I didn't really take myself seriously until maybe year four of shooting weddings, Mm. four or five. Um, That to me seems like a long time. And when I look back, it's, you know, hindsight's 2020, but it's, you know, what a missed opportunity to have growth such so much earlier in my career, but I'm okay taking the slow route. And um, yeah, it wasn't until year four or five that I was like, okay, I need to really make this something and not fall back on other part-time jobs um, or, or other jobs to keep me afloat to like fund this like you know, pat like passion project sort of, um, of shooting weddings. So, you know, I was always doing something else. I was always a wedding photographer and, and, um, you know, whether that was a, I worked at like a gallery in, you know, West Hollywood and so many other art related things, but, um, I never really put all of my effort into wedding photography until probably year five of shooting. Wow. Okay. So what like prompted you and helped you to take that plunge? Cause I'm like, that plunge is always scary. Like to take the and out of your title and just be one thing is terrifying. I know even like when I was doing photography part-time then to full-time or like even just going from photographer to educator, like 
it's been so hard to break the habit of being like, no, I'm a destination wedding photographer and I do education on the side, even though I'm like, no, I don't like my business (laughs) is like 90% education. I shoot like two weddings a year. Like, I'm like, why am I still doing that? That plunge though is so scary. So like what helps with that? I think for me, and I know that this isn't the case for many, I don't deal well with authority. Um, so for me, it was knowing that I knew I would never be able to have a full-time job or have longevity in any sort of job that I had to go into an office and answer to somebody else. So mm-hmm. for me, it was setting myself free from that. And it was working a lot of kind of random not fun, not exciting jobs that I'm just like, what am I doing? I'm wasting so much time. Um, so I kind of just got to the point of being absolutely fed up with other people. (laughs) I love that. Honestly, fed up with other people that I was like, there is no reason why I can't do this. I've always been a fiercely like independent person and always just kind of done my own thing. So there's no reason I can't do this. I have the attitude for it. I have the drive for it. I have the personality for it. I can network like nobody's business. So I'm just going to put myself fully out there um, and do it. And that's when I launched my first wedding business or like wedding photography business and like put it out to the world and built my website. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Um, So I love that you said like you have the personality for it because you totally do. And I'm like, and one of my favorite things about you is that I, you're very like classic film, beautiful, dreamy photographer, but you're also so feisty. And I feel like that combo is like kind of rare. I don't see it that often. So I would love to know like how you've brought your personality into your business and like what this like developing your voice has been kind of in the industry. Sure. And again, with that same kind of thing with the MFA thing, like the last two years have been huge for me in making um, decisions and big moves uh, on behalf of my business, but that are reflective of who I really am. Mm. That is the person who likes to get happy hour and get tipsy maybe sometimes like with my clients on a consult, like that is the person who is going to swear like sometimes, you know, accidentally in front of family, like I, you know, all of these things, all of these personality quirks, I will say I can be, I am very professional, but what I like to do is make people feel at ease and make people, you know, just feel comfortable. Let's face it. The majority of times we're not photographing models. So we're dealing with real people, real emotions on a very awkward sometimes situation. And honestly saying fuck usually lightens the mood. Like it really does. (laughs) And I think unless there is like a very, and these are typically not my clients, but unless it's a very like waspy or uppity or like that kind of vibe client, um, I'm not usually booking those type of people, but if I do, I try my best to reel it in. I do my best and that's the professionalism that comes out. But I think Mm -hmm. for me, it's, I've always been like a wacky, wild, like loud, outgoing person as from a kid, like whatever my alter ego, when I was a child, I would put a full black spandex outfit on and I called myself motorcycle mama and like that is, (laughs) I'm going to have to try to find that photo. Um, it's just one of those things where it's like, 
I was hiding who I was for a long time because I was trying to fit the mold of what I thought a fine art wedding photographer was or what a luxury wedding photographer was. And when I finally stopped listening to my own bullshit of what it was supposed to look like, what it was supposed to be, how I was supposed to act, just sat back and was myself and let people see me. And if they like me, cool. If they don't, cool. I'm a fiercely loyal person, but I also am very blunt. I'm very forward and upfront with people. I'm a a huge advocate for an underdog. Like if I ever see somebody like struggling, like I'm that's something that I just like always want to make sure that people feel supported and that kind of thing. So for me, it's like, it's the cheekiness mixed with professionalism and just being like a nice person. Like that's really what it is. And I think being from the Midwest, I'm re- I was raised very certain way. And, um, I've been able to retain that in, in the many places that mm-hmm. I've lived. I feel like I haven't been jaded by any of, you know, some of the big city stuff that you can associate with, but, um, I don't know. I just, I think it's finally settling it, you know, this is where the age part comes in, finally settling into who I am. As a photographer, when I started shooting, I was low to mid 20s, right? So I I don't know about you, but and, and I know you're a baby, you're so young. I, <laughs> I feel like when you know, when I was 23 to 24, I was a completely different person from 24 to 25, and the same from 25 to 26. There is so much learning about yourself in your 20s that by the time you get to your 30s, that's when I feel like you finally sink into who you are. And then 40s, shit, I can't wait. Like, I feel like I'm actually going to be able to afford the, like the, all the stuff that I want and like, Love all of that, right? You know, so it's like it's just it is those building blocks, and of course, people go faster or slower. You know, I've been on the, on the semi slow route, but I also wasn't going to be the person that shot 40 weddings a a year because I was scared that I wasn't going to make enough money. I I've never shot more than 18 weddings a year. And that's because I knew that I wanted to be in this for the long haul and that I did not want to get burnt out. And I think just finally listening to myself has allowed my business to flourish in the way that it has now. Oh, I love that so much. That okay. was a very long-winded, no, probably I'm... roundabout answer. No, I feel like that was a flawless answer. Um, do you have like a favorite moment or like something, an experience that comes to mind? Because I know you said that like this has kind of been more of a recent thing to really fall into yourself a little bit more. Do you have like an experience or thought or something that comes to mind as like one of your favorite moments where you like did that. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this is actually huge. Gosh, that's like a loaded question. Cause I, I know feel, I'm like, sorry, that's kind of a big dog. I know. I feel like there are different facets to that when it comes to getting over being scared about what I want to charge and what I was charging. And then just, you know, put it out there and booked my first you know, $10,000 client, like that to me was a huge moment because I changed absolutely nothing about myself except the numbers that I sent to those people and they still booked. And for me, that was a, like a holy shit, like what have I been waiting for? Like, Mm -hmm. why have I let my nerves of whether or not people saw value in what I was providing to them. Why did I let that rule me for so long? And overnight, I'm not kidding you, 
I booked three or four of my highest packages when I decided that that's what I was charging. And it was in a matter of three weeks. And I will tell you before that I was in, you know, wedding, weddings have a few different like dead zones. I had been kind of jumping from dead zone to, to dead zone because I was afraid to make a big leap. And I was struggling in that dead zone. And then all of a sudden I was like, you want to know what? Fuck it. I'm going to double it and see what happens. And I did. And three weddings booked. And I was like, are you kidding? So it's just one of those mindset things that were a huge, like that part of it is a huge, a huge part. But honestly, I'll say too, like the relationships, I'm a huge relationship person and the relationships that I've gained by stepping into this next version of me and like really listening to myself, I feel like have just been better and deeper from like the get-go. Like I feel like I haven't had to build a rapport with people that I've been immediately been able to fall into something. And I know that that's, that's hard. That's hard. That's hard for a lot of people. And I, and that hasn't always been the case, um, for me. So I've, I've put in my time and I put in all the work and I put in honestly the suffering part of it too, Mm -hmm. to finally get me to the point of feeling comfortable in myself, putting myself out there and it's resonating with people and people are willing to pay for things and people are wanting to have me on weddings because I'm fun to be around or I'm, I, they don't have to worry about me when it comes to a timeline because my history of like working as a wedding coordinator, I know how important a timeline is. And I don't want to be the reason people are late to their cocktail hour. I don't want to be the reason they're pulled away from really meaningful moments with the people that are, you know, at that they've invited to their wedding. Um, So I think those are big. I don't know if you call them favorite moments because they're not really moments. They're their favorite aspects or things that have shifted for me in this, in this change, quite frankly, bigger budgets have like typically have more design and like fun details. And I love that kind of stuff. So, you know, more exotic fashion and, and things like that, since that's where my passion was um, when I initially started, I love all of that. So having that evolution of getting into more design savvy, you know, weddings and couples, fashion forward couples, that kind of stuff, that that's kind of a favorite for me on a, on a superficial level. Um, the other stuff is, is more just kind of a relief really. Yeah, no. And I love, I love you clarifying that like nothing actually changed in your business. It was just your mindset, like just waking up one day and being like, actually, no, this is what I'm worth Mm -hmm. is so insane. And that is one of my favorite things to watch creatives do is I'm like, I always tell people, I'm like, I put money on the fact that like 90% of the industry does not charge what they should. Like we always undervalue ourselves. It's so easy to get stuck. Like you said, in like dead zone to dead zone does dead zone. Um, whereas value is really value is so subjective. Like it really, some people will find value in things differently than others. And if you value yourself at a certain level, other people will value it too. And it's that exactly. Simple. And, and I, I think as, any creative entrepreneur, what like any artist, that's the thing we're constantly battling, right? Is like our own ego and shit that we have going on that like, you know, could be fear or whatever, you know, uh, revolving around value or what you're providing, whatever. But the real truth is 
some people are going to like you and some people aren't. And I think that's the one thing that is like my biggest takeaway from that nightmare MFA experience is I had three years of lessons on how to react when people didn't like me. And I don't, I don't think that I necessarily got a thick skin from it because I'm still a sensitive person, but I've learned to not take things as personally. And for things like wedding photography or portrait photography, we're not all everyone's cup of tea, right? So the fact that it's subjective, you just need to find your people like, Mm -hmm. and, and then charge accordingly. As soon as, as soon as you find your people charge accordingly, it's like anything. There are insane like clothing lines that are thousands of dollars for a white t-shirt. I I wouldn't, the, the small town girl in me would never pay that, but like people will pay that because they see value in the, in the designer or in the concept or that it's sustainable or whatever it is, they see value in that. Right. So it's like, everything is subjective, not just art, but I think the thing that artists and creative entrepreneurs struggle with the most is having to realize that we're not going to please everybody. We're not, not going to book everybody. You just need to find your pocket. Yeah. I love that. And one of the best examples I heard was from this girl I work with and she's a coach, Carly Anna, and she compared it to flights and how, when we get on a flight, we all paid something totally Mm -hmm. different. Like, and that doesn't even mean that the people in first class paid more than we did. Like we know that, but I'm like, I sit next to people that probably paid more or less than I did, but you don't even think about it. Cause it's just like, it was worth what you thought it was worth. You paid what you thought it was worth. And that applies to everything, including our art. Like if we know we're worth something, someone's going to pay it. We just have to be confident that that is the price. Right. Right. And and the biggest thing, like, like I said, nothing about my photography, nothing about how I had a consultation, nothing, nothing really changed other than me deciding that I was going to charge X amount. And because I was so strong in the belief and the value behind that, they of course believed it too. So, you know, when you're, when you're asking, even when you ask a client, like, what is your budget? It's hard because some people don't know what their budget is. They Hmm. might move their entire budget so that they can have you. So I think that it's hard when, when, artists or creative entrepreneurs, wedding, wedding photographers, for example, have a client consult and they're saying, oh, well, what budget did you have in mind for wedding photography? Well, right there, you're allowing them to dictate what they place value on what they think wedding photography should be, but Mm -hmm. they have no idea what you, what you provide. They have no idea the, you know, gifting experience that they're going to get throughout the time working with me. They have no idea what they're going to, you know, these little extras that I sprinkle in, you know, for our year long relationship together or the engagement session, or, you know, how I honestly can just manage a family, manage family dynamics and, and do it quickly and with ease. And so that nobody feels like it was hard. Mm. And, you know, those are the things. And at the end of the day, like 12 and a half years in, I, you know, you're paying for my experience. You're paying for my expertise. Um, I'm not new. So like I have that now working for me too. I love that. 
I think that that's such an incredible thing to put light on as well, that they are paying you for so much more than just the photos. There is so much to this job other than the actual physical product that you are going to deliver. And I think that's so important to note when you're pricing yourself that like, you're not just pricing like per photo you deliver essentially, or per even hour that you're working on the job. Right. And when I talk to people, like I have met, like when I'm like mentoring or am I, or I'm talking, I used to host branding retreats for creative entrepreneurs. And when I would talk to people there, I'd be like, listen, I can tell you all day long to raise your prices, but you need to raise your prices to what you feel good about. And I'm a firm believer that like, if I think you should be making 1500 for a portrait session, but you are currently charging 500 and you're willing to bump it up to 750, then great. We are on the right track. You need to understand. And if you need to prove it to yourself that you are worth 750 before you jump to 1500, that's fine. But like, do it on a sliding scale. Like don't, don't now force yourself to have to stay in 750 for, you know, three years. It could be three sessions and now you're up to 950 and then, you know, three more and now you're up to 12 and quick, you know, soon enough, you'll, you'll be where you feel comfortable being, but it's, you know, there is no right answer or one universal answer for pricing. It has to do with what you're comfortable with. And I think that one of the biggest things is not allowing fear to dictate your pricing. If you're comfortable shooting a family session or whatever for, for $300 and you're down with it and you can outsource your editing for 25 bucks and you're making bank for that 30 minutes. Great. Cool. Whatever, whatever works for you. Do I think you could make more? Sure. But like, it's up to you to, to decide that it's up to you to decide you want to make more. I think that's so, so powerful. Um, as you're going and you're, you're, business has changed and it's pivoted and it's grown and it's stretched. What do you kind of see on the horizon? Like, what are you looking forward to? Oh my gosh, this is such a a big question. I know, like it's a big one. I haven't revealed a lot of this yet um, to people. So it's, you know, over the past year and a half, I would say, well, the past year, really everything with COVID kind of put put a lot of things into perspective. Um, I, I've had this trajectory kind of mapped out in my brain for a while, but haven't vocalized it to many people. Um, getting back to the original goal of education has, has been on my, on my brain for the last few years. Um, but because I have a specific learning, I learn best in person in hands-on experiences. I've really, been able to look at that a little bit closer and realize if I'm able to teach in a collegiate level, great, fine. I'd be happy to do that. I would love to do adjunct. I would love to do something like that. Um, but that's not the, the be all end all for me. It is really about putting together these experiential hands-on workshops for photographers where they can not only come and get amazing images, but they can ask questions. They can, they can, um, learn, you know, side by side for me, where it's a less like academic, you know, mm-hmm. way of learning. Um, I have learning disabilities. So for me, I've just learned that, you know, I like to teach how I learn and that's in person, very candid, not stuffy, just like doing our thing. And I, and I'm very excited to launch a workshop series. So that's going to be coming very, Exciting. very soon. Yeah. yeah. 
And actually, when I did my rebrand about a year, just over a year ago, um, I officially expanded to the East Coast. So I am I'm now, you know, my my business started in Southern California and will always be based here, but I've expanded to New England. So I have two home bases now. We are officially bi-coastal. And um, it's it's really nice because it's allowing um it's just, it's different markets. LA and LA and the East coast are just such different markets that it's allowing me to not only reach more people, but also just like have that diversity in, in who I'm working with. And, um, I'm really, really excited to launch the workshop, uh, series, but something even more fun down the road, which is probably going to be a wild card to anyone who knows me and now is listening to this. Um, I, I don't know, obviously I'm 37. I don't know how long my body can withstand shooting weddings because the Mm -hmm. physicality of it is actually much more than probably what most people think. But I, you know, maybe, maybe five, seven years. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think it just depends. I just had back surgery. So for me, it's like, who knows, maybe, maybe it's even shorter. Um, for me, I, I've just always loved design. I've always loved details. Like that's what I love about weddings, like the intricate details on fashion or on paper goods or any of that kind of stuff. I just love paying attention to those details. So curating that in these workshop series is going to be really, really fun for me. But I also just want to have like, and this is out of left field, but I want to have this like very luxurious isn't necessarily the word, but I want this just very special wedding venue on the East coast. And I, and, and it's, you know, been brewing for probably a year and, you know, I'm looking at land and it's just like, it's the weirdest (gasps) thing. And I'm just, I have all these visions for like what I want to do, but this also comes from knowing that I want to work differently. So knowing that like the physicality of being a wedding photographer is not sustainable for the long haul. Right. So workshops, yes, the education part I can do forever, but having something that might be a little bit more of a passive income that is not necessarily requiring me to physically do things, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, every day or on the weekends or whatever it is, having something like that is really appealing to me too. I love the wedding industry. I love that space. So having that be something that is available or or easy and attainable for me, like to be able to pivot into, I think that is expected, but, um, that's, that's where my, that's, that's a long-term, that's like a five to seven goal workshop series is coming much sooner, possibly even by this fall. Oh my gosh. Okay. So just like the biggest, funnest goals. I'm so excited for you and to see it all unfold. I know. Thank you. It's super fun. And I honestly just think so much growth has happened for me and the last two years that like whoever's listening to this, like, let's say you're five years in or seven years in, and you feel like you've really been in your business and you've had your stride, like, just like, don't count yourself out yet. Like there's so much more to learn. There's so much more to like do and evolve. And, and for me, it's, you know, I, I'm probably the most excited I've ever been in my career right now. Oh, I feel like that's just like the happiest sentiment, like that. It just like, if you keep following your passion, like it almost just keeps getting better and better. Like, I love that you're so excited right now. I love yeah. that. I mean, that's the eternal optimist. I think in me is I'm, I'm always looking for a positive and, um, yeah, it's just so it's, it's just very, very exciting. 
Ooh, it's that skincare routine again. I'm like, I can't <laughs> wait to look like 30 years older than you um, in a solid five years. So that's great. Um, oh my gosh. Well, I am so excited. And you shared so many amazing things. So thank you for sharing so many like little nuggets. That was incredible. We always ask at the end of every episode to our guests, what the best piece of advice is that you've ever been given. And it can be literally anything. I just love knowing like exactly what comes to mind. Sure. Um, for me, it has always been, listen to your gut. You like, you know what you're supposed to do. You, you, your intuition will always lead you in, in the direction of where you're supposed to be. And I think that even if you have a fall or even if you stumble along that way, and maybe you initially second guess your choices, just continue to follow your gut. You know, it's, it's been the only thing that's gotten me through all of, all of the stuff that I've dealt with in my business, in my personal life, all of these things is just really being able to tap into my intuition and know that whatever I need to do, I can do, and I will do it. And if I need to take a break, I can take a break and I'll survive it. And all of that, all of that, it just goes so deep for me in terms of you know, whether, whether or not it is to start a business, whether it, whether it's to take that leap and leave, leave your main gig to really pursue what you're passionate about, whether or not it's to break off an engagement with somebody who you still love and then move to London to get away Mm -hmm. from your feelings. Like if that's what you need to do, you do it. That's what I did. We love to hear (laughs) it. I mean, yeah, it's just follow your gut. I love that. I think I'm on like an intuition kick right now. So I love that. I think that's so incredible. Yeah. Follow your gut. Like when you need to hold Brad Pitt's hand. at a <gasps> Oh, show. wait. Okay. <laughs> yes. How did I almost end to, this I had to bring episode? it up. I had to bring Thank it up because you. you would have killed me. I would have cried. I literally would have called you back. So Molly has met Brad Pitt and I literally have been hanging on by the edge of my seat to hear this story. So please. I'm okay, like, he so is how my OG all... crush. Yeah. I mean, he's everyone and he just keeps getting better. Like it he just, really? it's like a fine wine, honestly. He just keeps getting better. And I think the whole reason, actually, when you originally asked me to be on the podcast, I had gone through on my Instagram stories and I decided to do like two truths and a lie. And I, being in LA for nearly 15 years, I've, I forget how um, LA it is to meet famous people or have celebrity Mm -hmm. clients or whatever it is. Right. I forget how exciting that can be. Um, yeah. So it was interesting because I have a, I have a lot of these really random celebrity encounters situations that are just so bizarre, but also very fun and like great little party tricks. Like when I need to bring up something like completely random that honestly will make people remember me. <laughs> um, that sometimes, that. sometimes these work, but this particular instance, I was working at like a gallery and it was Paris Photo LA. And we were at, I was manning our booth at this expo, this Paris, if you don't know what Paris Photo LA is, just, it, it's this like art show that's typically okay. held in Paris. And they had an LA version. Think of like Art Basel, like in, in Florida, like, is it gotcha. Miami? Think of, okay. think of that kind of environment where it's, you know, all these just booths of like really amazing art. And I was there as a representative for um, like a gallery and we there, there's always an hour of VIP in the morning. And um, 
I didn't, I didn't know who was coming through, but they're just like, okay, VIP, it's open to VIP. And that could be as simple as somebody who, you know, just has a lot of money. Um, but it, I remember him walking up to the booth and just like starting to walk through. And I think why he came specifically to ours is because he is an actually like avid photographer and has oh. a number of Leica cameras. And so he wanted to see the show that we had currently exhibiting in our gallery and we had pieces of it there. So he was obviously just there to check it out because he was genuinely interested and was aligned with the brand already. And I, as I do with anybody, I walked up to him and I, you know, introduced myself and I just said, if there's, there are any questions that I can answer for you, let me know. And he, I went to reach out my hand to shake his hand. And as you, as most people do, you reach out your right hand, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you do the handshake. He instead reached out his left hand, took my hand and walked me around and asked me about all the art. And I was like, okay, so Brad Pitt's holding my hand and I don't know what to do. (laughs) And it was a really surreal experience. And, and it was so fun. And, um, just one of those random LA moments that happens and but really really fun it's like okay oh like I'm never washing my hand again like yeah what do literally I do? I'm like I don't I feel like I just keep the clothes like in yeah. a shadow box I don't know <laughs> I something I'm like that is amazing <laughs> but yeah super super fun moment like just you know those those little things that my intuition told me to shake his hand and then that helped that, he, that you held made hands me, with Brad yeah, hold his hand as we looked at artwork. It was pretty awesome. Oh my gosh. Catch me just not moving from LA until I hold Brad Pitt's hand. I hope okay. that that is somewhere on my LA timeline. I love that. I'm still, I'm still connected to many people who work for him. So I will hook you up. Oh my gosh. Just send me, I'm like, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll clean a pool. I'll like, just like hold some towel. I don't know. I'm like, I'll do whatever. Like I'll just hold people's bags. Sure. And for anyone who wants to know, he is actually just like very, very nice, very like kind person. I think a lot of people think that like LA encounters with celebrities are just, they're stuck up and like whatever. And yes, there, of course there are those people. He was not, he was just very gentle, like sweet, surprisingly short, but everyone in LA is short. I guess I'm tall for, for LA standards, but um, yeah. Wait, I love hearing that he's like lovely. Cause yeah, I'm like, I feel like you always hear about the mean celebrities. So I love that. Yeah. He's lovely. Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on Molly. Will you tell everyone we'll link you in the show notes, but can you tell everywhere, everyone, wow, where to find you? Sure. If you're on Instagram, it's Molly and co photo. Otherwise my website is mollyandco.com. Oh, perfect. Nice, simple, and sweet. We love it. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> nice and easy. Okay. Thank you so, so thank much you again. Thank you so Molly. much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on and thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.